Gather round, dear children, for a Christmas fable. Epstein, alone in his manse. The rooms are empty. Wind howls outside as the New York winter starts setting in. It's a cold Christmas Eve. Jeffrey Epstein, the owner of Jeffrey Epstein Streetwear Apparel, stands looking out the window of Neo New York City 2 a massive 600 million person mega city zone built from Rochester to Philadelphia that I've added as the background of this story to attract Japanese animation fans. Cyber cars pass overhead, their headlights cutting into the pea soup fog air of New York City 2, like laser blasts from a draconian slip gun. It's, dark, it's darkonian. Darkonian it slip says gun. Darkonian. It has been seven years since the death of his business partner, Jacob Marley Khashoggi. His underpaid clerk, young... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you can't pronounce Polish names all of a sudden? Young Kratzki enters the room. Mr. Epstein, sir, tomorrow is Christmas... I know you wouldn't allow me to have Hanukkah off because you said you've left that part of your life behind in order to more closely attune to Moloch's cosmic vibrations, but my, my wife is Goyasha and I wanted to spend the day with her. Let me, let me ask you something. You're Jewish, right? I know, I know you are. You don't have to answer that. You guys, you can only have sex like two days a month, right? When they're not on their period? When it's like a light flow? I suppose so, sir. All right. All right, well, yeah, have the day off. Nut in her, bust in her, I don't care. But you better be in here at directly at your usual starting time of 4.30 a.m. the very next day. Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. Yeah, yeah, uh, dribble a little in her for me. All right, get out of here, kid. Fucking loser. Christmas, ah, the day of Jesus Christ's birth. Otherwise known as... The day Ghislaine was born. Ah, Ghislaine. That night, as Epstein is going to bed in a double king flecked in gold, he's visited by a ghost. The ghost of Robert Maxwell, who's covered in chains and metal money boxes. So hold up. I actually think it's weird that you're saying this. I feel like this is a super problematic trope that... Jewish you, people are, first of all, ghosts, and thus there is no Jewish afterlife, which, okay, debatable on that point. It's the illogical thing. We're not trying to do that here. But uh, Robert Maxwell, a Czech-born newspaper magnate who parlayed his international connections into a career of espionage, mostly the service of Israel, is a, a human being, a three-dimensional human being, and I feel like you treating him in this way is, like, not, it's not cool. Pictures of his friends line the walls. Mohammed bin Salman, Howard Jarvis, Elizabeth Warren, all dead now. Uh, but you better not be, and I'll tell you what, you better not be about to drag me in to a three-act hellscape of my past. If you make me visit the ghosts of my past, I am going to sue you for everything you're worth, sir. So now, sit back, relax, Get warm by the fire, little children, for you're about to be visited by the ghosts of Jeffrey Epstein's past. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein.
Bracy, Bracy, Bracy. Uh, I need to borrow some money. <laughs> Why? I don't want to talk about it on air. I just want you to answer me on air. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you guess what I'm doing with it? What? You'll find out. <laughs> uh, so today, I am so excited. Welcome, Patreon subscribers. No, 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 no. They know where they are. Okay. Don't coddle them. Okay. Let me coddle them. I love you guys. Liz is always <laughs> talking shit about you guys. Why? That's so true. Yeah. She's always like, I hate our subscribers. I only like people who don't subscribe. <laughs> and I'm like, I actually feel like it's the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, who are you? Uh, I'm Liz. My name is uh, the, the Wachowski, the third Wachowski. <laughs> I'm no, not a twin. I am my own. I exist in my own matrix. My name is Brace Wachowski. <laughs> and we are joined, of course, by the indomitable... I've said that before. I, I, I'm really... I like... I can say it right now, so I like saying it. Indomitable. Mm. The indomitable young Chomsky, mm. uh, who actually turns 47 today, so he's almost <laughs> old Chomsky. Uh, Gray Fox. So we today, we have a real treat for you. A little Christmas treat, a little candy cane to put in your mouth... Uh, seductively while you're... Brace will be doing that, not me. Yeah, I've got several right now. I have a large mouth so I can still speak clearly. Uh, We have Jeffrey Epstein's biography. Uh, Unreleased biography. Yeah, well, it's been been leaked. Yes. But his his biography that was uh, written probably, well, definitely in conjunction with his lawyers and was given to the Palm Beach County State Attorney, Barry Christcher, by uh, Epstein's attorney, Jack Goldberger, who will probably not be celebrating Christmas, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's okay for me to say that, not okay for you to laugh. Uh, it, it was given to uh, Palm, Beach, uh, Palm Beach County State Attorney, Barry Christcher, with the handwritten note, enjoy some fun reading on your defendant. Well, that's a little... Do you think that's sarcastic? No, I don't. These people are insane. It's definitely not sarcastic. <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, it's not exactly clear who wrote it. It just came from Epstein's team. And obviously they conducted quite a lot of, of research, uh, mostly probably just given them to them by Epstein. I gotta say, after reading through this, I like the spin. What's, so what do you, what do you, what's your take on the spin here? Um, I think it's quite effusive. Yeah. Yes. Well, it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's kind of light on the lurid stuff. But, uh, well, of course that wasn't going to be mentioned. Yeah, uh, but it is definitely, it's painting a picture of a man who is is a boon to the scientific community, his very presence, mm. who is very generous, but not your typical philanthropic billionaire guy who throws his money around and, and exercises influence, but a guy who really deeply cares about the issues. Yes. Uh, that impact the world. Exactly. Like, he wants to make the world a better place. Mm. And uh, considering his sentencing, I think that the prosecutor bought it. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind as we're reading parts of this, mm-hmm. that this is coming from Jeffrey's people, because uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So here is just the sort of general biography that he starts with. And there's going to be some reading during this episode, but we're going to pause a lot. So don't you fucking worry. Jeffrey Epstein is a person who, having been raised in modest, lower-class, middle-class circumstances in New York City, parlayed an aptitude for mathematics, a teaching experience in a private school, and a chance referral to a Wall Street executive into a unique niche business to the wealthy, which in turn has made him to a wealthy person. So that is all true. 
I mean, sure, okay. Uh, Parlayed an aptitude. See, I really like this part. To those who have known him long or intimately, he is a loyal and unselfish friend who has a playful sense of humor. To those in the scientific, education, wellness, and civic communities who have benefited from his largesse, he is an unparalleled patron seeking nothing for himself. Finally, and most importantly, to those who work for him at every level, and to many of those ordinary citizens he has learned of, he has been an extraordinarily generous and understanding person, mentor, and friend. Lame. I See, if someone wrote a biography of me, they would have been like, you know what, can do a lot of push-ups, women love him, men want to be... Women want him, men want to be him. Okay, I'm sorry, but, uh, okay, playful sense of humor and unparalleled patron seeking nothing for himself. Now, if I remember correctly, he definitely sought one thing for himself at least three times a day. Yes, and the playful sense of humor, okay, I understand that maybe the first time you do, where to put your passport, it's like kind of being kind of a funny prank or something. Um, but the thousandth time you do it, I feel like it gets a little He's old. actually referring to the time when he uh, he kept repeating, what's this got to do with pussy? I, all right, so you say that in a voice like a dumb guy would say that, but I actually think that is funny. To be like, interrupt Stephen Hawking, who's like talking about <laughs> some fucking equation while he's sexually harassing his nurse. And you're like, what's this got to do with pussy, Stephen? I would, I would, if I saw that, I would laugh. All right, all right. Survey says zero Pinocchios. Playful sense of humor. Absolutely. So we, we, he starts with the beginning of his life, and again, we're not definitely not going to read all of this, uh, but we can we can link to it as well. Uh, so <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, blah blah blah, was born in the Coney Island section of he's a Coney Island baby. That is a Lou Reed reference, ladies out there, if you think I like cool music. <laughs> uh, the Coney Island section of Brooklyn. Ooh, another reference to the ladies out there. That's where you all live. New York in 1953. One of two sons born to Seymour and Paula uh, Stolovsky, that was her original name, Epstein. Jeffrey was raised in modest mid- lower middle class circumstances. Modest lower middle class circumstances in a longstanding Jewish neighborhood. Jeffrey's father, blah, blah, blah. He was a laborer. Jeffrey's mother was a housewife. Actually, that is not entirely true. Jeffrey's mother worked as a school aide during this point, but I guess she was probably mostly a housewife until she went to work in an insurance agency. Now, take note of this detail. Jeffrey recalled that during his youth, the family often played a card game called Concentration. Liz, what do you make of that detail? Uh, This is one of those things that really stood out to me. Why? Because I'm, I can stump you with it. Um, uh, it's, it's a nerd game. It's basically like, it's like, uh, it's like uh, math fun. Oh, it's a rebus puzzle. Mm-hmm. Which I see. I don't know what that is, but it seems like I looked at the page for for concentration. It did not seem uh, seem enticing to me. But did you know that Eps- Epstein had a childhood nickname? Uh, what was that? So let me give oh. you a hint. Let me give you a hint. A, it is a, a word used to describe large, mm. uh, often very large-bellied, very hairy gay men. Oh, it's a bear. It is a bear. There we go. Why would Jeffrey make note of the concentration game? I think that's I weird. I, it's, 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 I think maybe to a different generation, that's like, if you saw that someone played that game, you're like, oh, that person was a fucking nerd. Because he credits that. Uh, which, look at this. 
He played a card game called Concentration for Entertainment from which he may have developed his early acumen for numbers. Mm. So maybe he's... So when I was a kid, I did uh, child labor, and that's why I'm so good <laughs> at, at, at working now. Hmm, yeah. So, all right, you want to hit the next part? Jeffrey attended public schools where his aptitude in mathematics became evident early on. He skipped the third grade at... P.S. 188. Who skips third grade? What did you learn in second grade that made you be able to skip third to third? Oh, wait, first grade. That doesn't make any sense to me. Subsequently placed in a special program, which resulted in his skipping the eighth grade at Mark Twain Junior High School. So we know that he graduated at 16, right? Yes, And of course, if you can call back to the Stuart Piven episode... There are rumors, at mm. least a rumor, that he went out west and studied under uh, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. But we haven't been able to verify any of that. There was about, I don't even know if it was a full year, but it was maybe a full year or at least semester and a half mm-hmm. that Ted Kaczynski was teaching at UC Berkeley. And it does line up, I believe it was 69, 68 or 69. Somewhere around there. So it would line up with... Jeffrey graduating high school. Yes, because this says after his family moved to Seagate, which is a section of Coney Island, actually, um, that a lot of people ended up moving to. Jeffrey was graduated from Lafayette High School in 1969 at the age of 16. So uh, here's the thing. During this time, Epstein lived in a three-family house at, and New Yorkers, take note of this, 3742 Maple Avenue. His family doesn't live there anymore, so don't do anything weird to it. Uh, in a gated community in Coney Island. Uh, later, check this out. Here's a little rosebud moment here for you, Liz. You know his mansion in New York? Mm. Guess who owned that? The Maple Corporation. Oh, is that what he named it? Well, Maple Incorporated. Um, uh, you know, there's a funny little connection with Seagate. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Fred Trump... The father of the guy I voted for several times. Uh, <laughs> Illegally. Illegally. Uh, yeah, Fred Trump, father of Jeffrey Epstein's erstwhile friend, mm-hmm. Donald Trump. His fake friend, Donald Trump, let's be real. <laughs> uh, he did quite the development job uh, out in Coney Island, the yeah, Seagate he, neighborhood. He moved. Well, he moved just in general, in general in Coney Island. He just moved poor people in there in these sort of vacation homes that people had. Mm-hmm. And people became year-round residents. Yeah. Now, if you also remember a certain other little, uh, let's say, uh, Randy Scamp named Woodson Allen lived underneath a uh, roller coaster in Coney Island, according to his autobiographical film, Annie Hall. Was that Nanny Hall? My analyst says I exaggerate my childhood memories, but I swear I was brought up underneath the roller coaster in the Coney Island section of Brooklyn. Maybe that accounts for my personality, which is a little nervous, I think. Yeah, that's Nanny Hall. Yeah, well, that's, uh, they were neighbors. Thereafter, continuing to live at home, Jeffrey attended Cooper Union in Manhattan for two years where he studied math and physics. Jeffrey dropped out of Cooper Union and took independent courses at New York University. Jeffrey drove taxi cabs summers in New York City for spending money. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I got picked up by him. No. Um, funny thing about Cooper Union. 
So Cooper Union is famously free, which means worthless because nothing in life. That's not true. It's quite difficult to get into. Are you kidding me? I have two degrees from there and I haven't been able to find a job ever. I'm saying worthless. No, uh, his brother was actually on the board there. I think his brother was head of the board of Cooper Union and resigned. Interesting. Yes, because he was like, hey guys, you know how it's free? We should fucking change that. Did he really? Yeah, he pulled a Hillary Clinton where he thinks school should cost a bunch of money instead of being free. Wow, that's like that's a big deal because Cooper Union being one of the only tuition-free schools is why it's such a major destination. But also, um, you know, it's highly specialized programs. Yeah, well, he was like, this is unsustainable, which is kind of weird because it seems to have been sustaining itself for over 100 years. Yeah. Uh, and that it went, also, you're a billionaire and your brother's a billionaire. I feel like you just give him some money. Um but yeah, he, it was a big outcry over it, and he and I think four of these other fucking uh, pencil gun geeks had to resign their positions. It's funny how all these schools become unsustainable once they bloat out the administration budget mm-hmm. and hire a bunch of fucking paper pusher, nobody gives a shit administrators yeah. who make $200,000 a year and then completely bank up the school and pass those costs on down to students. Uh, I also think that's funny. Although, here, <laughs> let me be perfectly clear here. School sucks. <laughs> uh, I had a bad time in it, and Jeffrey Epstein got to skip school and went to a program. I also went to a specialized program. It was a school that got out at noon and had no homework. <sighs> I went to five high schools. <laughs> So this, I like this next line because this shows Jeff's little brush on the old history books. Mm-hmm. Around 1974, Jeffrey decided to try his hand at teaching. Okay. Something that you don't need any education for. And obtained a teaching position in mathematics with an annual salary of $12,000. Now, why would they include that? Yeah. At the Dalton School, a highly respected private school in Uptown Manhattan. So we've obviously mentioned this all before, and everyone knows about this, Um but uh, from what we understand, that's not exactly how that happened. No. <laughs> no, it, it it does seem like he skips over a name that possibly should be in there. Mm. The father of current Attorney General of the United Snakes of America, William Barr. That's the Attorney General. His father, Donald Barr. Mm. Now, he was head of Dalton. Mm-hmm. And he was also a former agent in the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. And again, we've said this many times, but this is one of those things that, like, this detail is so important because it is, like, this is a clue, essentially. Like, this yeah. is a clue to all of this. Because that is, like, we've got some other clues in here as well. Uh, let's talk about a little Kansas later. But uh, there are some... Yeah, that that is one of those things that you should not ignore. Of course, you won't add that in there. But um, yeah, so he was hired by an ex-intelligence agent. And as we know from listening to me, because, you know, I'm supposedly ex-intelligence, retired, blah, 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 switch sides. You can never be an ex-intelligence agent. I'm still working for the other side. Yeah, and the ex-intelligence agent's uh, son is now in charge of the investigation into his death. Just that's so crazy. As a teacher, Jeffrey was commended for being lively, interesting, and uniquely gifted in presenting the material in a way which challenged the students. Hmm, wonder what material he was presenting that was so challenging. Egg-shaped dick. No? That was the joke. Oh. Sorry, I thought you really were wondering. As matters would turn out, 
Jeffrey's experience at the Dalton School would become life-altering <laughs> on a number of different levels. So, Jeffrey did not teach at Dalton for long. Uh, according to New York Times, Mr. Epstein's time at Dalton was brief, and an administrator said it ended in dismissals. Now, I'm not exactly... I actually don't believe that, because, of course, an administrator would say that. Mm. Uh, but it... Uh, yeah. It it seems a little fishy to me. I yeah, think... I wish we could find some people who went to Dalton when he was teaching. Well, Matthew Iglesias did. <laughs> he actually, check this out. Matt Iglesias became a Yimby due to Jeffrey Epstein, his idol. Mm. He was like, we, you know what? We need more luxury condos. Um, did you hear Matt Iglesias is logged off Twitter? Really? Yeah, he's like taking a quote unquote personal break. Really? He's probably in sex rehab. <laughs> I've heard he was like, yeah, well, I can't say any more because the, uh, the lawyers of In the Weeds by Vox might sue me. <laughs> Little do they know that if someone sues me, I will just end my life and no. make them feel terrible forever. It'll haunt them. No. Yeah. Wow, fake it, Liz. Um, okay. As Jeffrey recounts the key event... He was urged by a student to attend an art <laughs> gallery opening, which he reluctantly agreed to Imagine do. Imagine I'd be like, dude, Mr. Like Mr. Epstein, dude, I fucking, please come to me. Please come to this art gallery with me. I will, it'll be so fucking tired. Well, also, I just, ima- just imagine like Jeffrey being approached by a like 16-year-old high school student and being like, I don't know if I should go with you to this event. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I like, know. I kind of like really, I kind of want to, but Everyone also I, I kind of really don't. I don't know. I feel super old. While there, Jeffrey was approached by a parent of one of his students who had been told that Jeffrey was an especially talented mathematics teacher. You know, students are always telling their parents how talented their teachers are, by the way. Well, I will say Matthew Iglesias, the shoe does seem to fit there. (laughs) The parent asked him if he had ever considered working on Wall Street. Jeffrey states that at the time, he did not even know where Wall Street was. See, that that was what drives me insane. Wall Street is on Wall Street. You know where it is by just knowing the name of it. That's also, like being, I don't know where San Francisco is. It's in San Francisco. But also, Jeffrey, newsflash, you pass it on the subway to Dalton. You're coming from Coney Island. Mm-hmm. You're going uptown. Yeah. You're going to pass it. You and me, we're going uptown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Also, it's Wall Street. You're from New York. He's fucking lying. He, the, well, here's the thing. He's trying. His biography here is trying to be like, he's just some kid from the podunk uh, part of New York City, like, which, again, to use a Liz phrase that she came up with, newsflash, you're still from New York. Uh, that he was just like this, this, this hard luck kid who... Uh, Happened to be good at math because I, play, I played a puzzle game with my parents. I'm sorry. And it, tells, it says here that because of this, he's now offering a $1,000 a month freedom dividend no. <laughs> in his run for president. Sorry, different pedophile. Oh, God. This is so stupid. Anyway, Jeffrey was referred to Alan Greenberg, then a high-level executive at Bear Stearns. Mm, now, we've talked about this a little more bit. More bears here. We've got... A stern I've, bear I've got some stuff to get into me. here. Okay. Yo, yes, you do. Uh, during a subsequent interview with Mr. Greenberg, Jeffrey admitted that he did not know what a stock or bond was. All right, fair enough. I actually don't know what either of those are either. Mr. Greenberg explained that he had detected a sea change <laughs> in the stock and bonds market from qualitatively based valuation to quantitatively based valuation. Wait, are you telling me that quality over quantity is the new rule of Wall Street? No, other way around. 
Oh, wow. Quantity over quality? <laughs> finally! I'm always saying this. It's finally true. No one ever believes me when I say this. But more is better. All right. Based on Jeffrey's mathematics aptitude. This is so fucking stupid. <laughs> Mr. Greenberg offered him a job on the spot. Jeffrey agreed and started with the firm at the end of the school year. This is like, this is, what is Fairy this? T- this is the New York City dream, baby. This is just what happens when you when you teach math with no teaching credentials at a uh, exclusive private school. Yeah, this is this is not no. So let's just I want to talk about some things for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's just pause. Well, first of all, who the hell is Alan Greenberg? Well, okay, so he ends up becoming the CEO of Bear Stearns. Okay, very tight. Uh, he was there until like the nineties. Nineties, like ninety three. Well, he was CEO until 93. Yes. And then he became executive chairman of the company, a position he held when the company went bust. So he goes from CEO to executive chairman. That's a okay. upward move. That's an upward move. Um, and as we know, Bear Stearns then sold to J.P. Morgan Chase. Question, Liz. Mm. If, could I potentially be the CEO chairman or the chairman of CEO slash chairman of the board? Like, could you have, could you have both? I don't really know what that means, but I'm saying, like, could I possibly be addressed as Mr. CEO, Chair, Mr. Chairman CEO? Because I feel like that's a really powerful. I'm not. Title. I'm not calling you that. Bryce. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying it's a it's a aspirational thing. So funny little thing about um, Alan Greenberg, which, by the way, on the street, as they call it, uh-huh. uh, is referred to as Ace. Greenberg. Ace? Yes, that's his nickname, Ace. Finally! Like I've always been saying, we get some Ace representation. So I get- love... <laughs> Sorry, like, can I, I, you want me to talk about this? Talk about this? No, Ace? go for it. Uh, Honey, as, go off. As, this is subscriber only. As a straight asexual. Oh, God. And thus the most bullied of the sexualities, of the alternative sexualities, uh, I, I'm really glad to just see myself... As a fellow ace Jew. Yeah, Alan Greenberg was queering Wall Street. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, they got that little girl there. It should be a little guy being like, no, I won't have sex with you to the little girl. What does the straight ace flag look like? Uh, there is one, but I don't know what. I, there's, it's just a stripe on the ace flag. Um, I don't know about any of these things. Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay, so. Back to the story. Uh-huh. What I'm trying to say is something about Alan Greenberg, Ace. So this is has been forgotten, but uh, so, you know, Bear Stearns collapsing, beginning of the financial crisis, right? R.I.P. After layman, mm-hmm. Bear Stearns, the next yeah. domino to fall. Yes. So as Bear Stearns is crumbling, the firm has to deal with another crisis. Ace Greenberg is faced with the sexual harassment claim oh no an accusation they resulted in bear stearns right before the bank collapsed paying out two million to uh the young woman Uh who was accusing ace greenberg now you know uh, so my man my man's was doing some jeffrey epstein stuff well yeah i mean you know so a lot of people talk about the culture on wall street 70s, 80s, definitely 90s. Yeah. And also leading up into the crisis, I mean, you know, 
it's calling it a boys club would be uh, is like a nice way of putting it. Yeah, I, the way I always thought of it is that like several floors of each building in, in on Wall Street was just dedicated to rape rooms and torture dungeons. <laughs> the rest of it were just people like throwing uh, things at each other. I don't know. I, I I'm not really sure what they do there, but I don't like it. I mean, for a long time, women that would be hired on Wall Street were yeah. basically like cocktail waitresses yeah or oh i like see what you're saying women who worked in boutiques and men like the brokers would say okay we're gonna hire you we're gonna teach you on wall street and then i mean there's like stories of them just literally demanding the assistants give them blowjobs on the floor oh, absolutely the trading floor on the trading floor i mean not on the stock exchange but at the at the different firms yeah probably on the stock exchange floor. i mean uh yeah you know, mean, there's coke everywhere they're but doing these crazy people stuff. are still doing this uh, I mean, I would believe so. And yeah. I think it's important to remember that Jeffrey is at Bear Stearns at the, you know, like, so as Greenberg is tell- in Epstein's own telling, mm-hmm. as this moment when Wall Street is basically, as it's being deregulated. In the, in the most, like, hedonistic time. Yeah. But it's also when the derivatives market is really coming into its own. Uh-huh. So the reason Epstein gets hired is not because he knows he's not a day trader. He doesn't know anything about stocks. He says it himself. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because that's not what they're looking for as, you know, what Wall Street is starting to pivot towards, which is derivatives, markets, uh-huh. options, basically fucking betting the house. Yeah, because that's what a derivative is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a stock, it's betting on what, a kind of, what a stock or an asset or, uh, you know, an other kind, uh, uh, you know, a financial product uh-huh. is going to do in the future. Okay, yeah, all right, um, so you're trying to predict what it's going to do. Yeah. And then bet on that. Yeah, so it's called derivative because it's value derives from... Uh, like something else. Oh, these got to these guys got to read Marx. Someone values. <laughs> well, it's not from. totally like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, and the big thing with the derivative is that you actually have to come at it from a leveraged position, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're betting on a, um, you know, if you're if you're betting on a derivative, you're you're out money from beginning, right? You're going to be leveraged. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why, you know, it, it so. It, so that is like really a bet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's okay. easy. Wait, it's just, it's just I mean, betting. That literally sounds like what it is. Yeah. This stuff is always sort of like, and I'm sure that many, uh, I hope many listeners will sympathize, but like whenever I like, I read Wall Street stuff or like when, whenever you, whenever you rant and rave to me about this stuff, I'm always like kind of confused because I think it has to be more complicated. No, than it's it is. really not. But it's it, really it really not. does seem just like betting. It is, yeah. And so you basically, the you know, you depending on how much you leverage yourself, it enables you to make significant, significant bets. Yeah. But on the flip side, of course, it comes to significant risk, right? And so yeah. Bear Stearns found out, you know, and also the American taxpayer mm-hmm. found out the hard way when the entire financial... Uh, you know, collapse. <laughs> yeah, literally every financial institution across the world uh, collapsed because of these um, derivative exchanges. So Jeffrey was on the ground floor of that, which is he was my man was grinding. Quite interesting. 
Yes. And, you know, one does wonder if that... I mean, I have my own theories about what he was up to uh, prior to Bear Stearns. I mean, maybe even prior to Dalton. Taxi driver can sometimes be a euphemism for somebody who doesn't... Moving some money. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, But... If not, if that's not the case, then it's without a doubt that he learned all of his tricks probably year one at Bear Stearns. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. The other thing that's interesting to bring up uh, about Bear Stearns, because mm-hmm. you know how I love, you know I love tucking. She does, You should see, I'm serious, it's actually kind of adorable. Liz gets so excited <laughs> when we're talking about this stuff or researching this stuff. And it's literally the opposite for me, because I'm just like, I don't I, I love Banks. Yeah. I do. She loves Banksy. <laughs> um, so the other thing that's interesting is that, so I mentioned this, uh, Bear Stearns was bought by J.P. Morgan Chase. Yes. Now, who is the head of J.P. Morgan Chase? Well, I would assume J.P. Morgan or his son, Chase. <laughs> no. J.P. Morgan Chase, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase is, of course, Jamie Dimon. Yes, you've mentioned many times on here. Yes, my favorite. I always want to say Jamie Diamond. Now he is that. the chairman and CEO. Brace. Oh, so he's he's uh, Mr. Chairman CEO. Yes, that is so sick. Now some funny things about. No, Jamie. don't talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds cool. Okay, fine. Uh, well, he is a three-time felon. Okay, so, basically. Sorry, I was just. I, I, yeah, he's, I think he's bad now. No, J.P. Morgan has had three felony counts against it uh, while under the helm of okay. J.P. Morgan. Well, I'm Jamie sure lots of people got in trouble. Uh, no, not really. No, two felony counts came from the 2014 case of, of course, Bernie Madoff. Mm-hmm. The Black Lodge Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad Bernie. Um, you know, who, of course, was running a Ponzi scheme. Yes. Which... All right, again, I'm, my sympathy to criminals is kind of getting the better of me. But, yeah, he famously was running this Ponzi scheme. And, yeah. like, multiple Ponzi schemes within Ponzi schemes. Yeah, Ponzi on top of Ponzi on top of Ponzi. Yeah, we stack in Ponzi's. Mm. Ponzi on Ponzi. Uh, yeah, and also in 2015, and not a lot of people know this, but in 2015 the bank uh, got another felony account, felony account for uh, rigging foreign exchange trading markets. Oh, they're doing that? That yeah. sounds what are they, like what are they fucking with the shekels, the pound? What are we talking? I don't really read. Read. Uh, it was the them, Indian and actually, ones? I believe Barclays was also Barclays. named. I believe. Well, they but, do um, share some personnel, and some of those personnel that were shared also know Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just as a quick aside, it's interesting. Well, we're going to talk about this on a on a later episode, mm-hmm. but. Uh, if you like to look into money matters and, and you know, looking at what's going on in the global economy, check out the FX swaps right now. Just yeah. a little hot tip from me to you. Wait, check out the what? FX swaps. That's the foreign exchange swaps. Okay, yeah, check those out. Um, so, yeah, actually, uh, to, to Barclays for a second, I knew I had this somewhere. Jess Staley, the CEO uh, of Barclays, had business ties to Epstein. And yes. uh, he, of course, prior to being at Barclays, had been at J.P. Morgan and was doing quite a lot of business with Jeffrey Epstein. There.
So I want to just talk really quickly, if I can, mm-hmm. that I and I haven't had enough time to kind of dig into this, but I do think that Epstein had some connects with the financial crisis. You do? I do. So, um, you know, just to recap the financial crisis, during, you know, 2007 to 2010, uh-huh. um, the New York Fed secretly funneled a majority of the staggering sum of $29 trillion. $29 trillion? Yes. It's Medicare for all money. Yeah. $29 trillion in cumulative loans. Loans, let's use in uh, quotation marks. Uh-huh. Uh, basically to shore up all the insolvent banks, all the Wall Street trading houses. Yeah. Right? Uh, they also secretly funded, and this is like underreported, mm-hmm. but or people have just forgotten, secretly funded uh, British trading firms, uh, foreign banks. None of this went through Congress. It was just the New York Fed being directed, right? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, this is, oh, actually, fun. We gotta end the Fed, Liz. <laughs> well, fun fact, we actually, this only became publicly disclosed because the Amendment King, now what's his name? Bernard Sanders. Attached an amendment to the Dodd-Frank legislation that forced the GAO to audit the Fed. Oh, okay. So, so we're auditing. We don't need to audit in the Fed. We just need to audit it. <laughs> but we got to end at some point, right? Okay. So this is where it comes to Epstein. Uh-huh. Now listen to this. This is basically. Uh, do you remember the the um, uh, Panama Papers? I do. Yeah. Okay. The lady got blown up over them. Yeah, Meryl Streep in the new movie. Meryl Streep got blown up over Oh, wait, no, it wasn't her that did. It was because she had the audacity to stand up and clap in that gif. (laughs) Wait, no, she's in the movie of the Panama Papers. I didn't know there was a Panama Papers movie. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh. Oh. So it's like a Ocean's Eleven Panama Papers. Okay, like how are we going to blow this lady up? Feels like a real who cares to me. Wasn't that on Malta, too? I don't know. I think it was. Malta, Monaco, one of those places that I'll never go. Okay, so remember the Panama Papers? I do. Okay, so the year after Mm -hmm. the Panama Papers leaked. What year was that? Like Uh, 2012? I want to say it was 2014. Might have been 2014. Okay. Because, yeah, I want to say, yes. Young Bracey was just getting out of rehab, ready to take on the world. (laughs) So the year after that, there was a... um, not as highly publicized league, mm-hmm. which they deemed the Paradise Papers. Okay, funnier name. Well, they called it that because it centered around not what was happening in Panama, but with the, you know all of the Caribbean islands. Ah. Now, of course, who owned a Caribbean island? That would be Jeffrey Epstein. Mm, and so this was a uh, kind of release from the Paradise Papers, is that Jeffrey Epstein presided over a $6.7 billion offshore company as its chairman, not a CEO, mm-hmm. from November 9th, 2001 to at least March 19th, 2007. Now, March 19th, 2007, that would be um, not, that would be like right the time you'd want to get out. If yeah. one were to say, oh, I, have advanced knowledge of where the economy was going. I was going. packing up all my shit right then. I would <laughs> tell you what. So the company was called Liquid Funding Limited. Liquid. And it had two offshore connections. It was incorporated in Bermuda, 
by Appleby Law Firm. And that was one of the big, you know, shady law firms that was doing all of the, the these yeah. kind of shell corporation yeah, yeah, yeah. things. Um, its investment manager was mm-hmm. Bear Stearns in Dublin, Ireland, a non-U.S. regulated institution. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was later merged into J.P. Morgan Bank Dublin. Okay. okay. Luck of the Irish there. So an SEC filing by Bear Stearns prior to its epic collapse. Uh, I was trying epic. to do the epic voice. <laughs> Girls can't do that. I know. I can't do it. I also can't soy face. You're soy facing right now. No. You have no idea. Liz is holding up two switches right now. <laughs> One's playing the new Star Wars. Another one is playing uh, Skyrim. And she is making the largest soy face that I've ever seen. She has grown facial hair <laughs> and just really scraggly orange red facial hair. And it's just her eyes are like dish plates and she is staring at me. All right. None of that's true. Mm-hmm. She gets financial soy. <laughs> that sounds so disturbing. <laughs> okay. So SEC filing by Bear Stearns. Mm-hmm. Uh, indicates that Bear Stearns owned 40% of Liquid Funding Limited's equity. Liquid. But the owners of the other 60% still a mystery. Now, it says that the company in 2006, uh-huh. so that's before Jeffrey's exit, had $6.7 billion in outstanding liabilities. Ooh-hoo-hoo. What those liabilities consisted of and who paid them off when Bear Stern collapsed, right? Because uh-huh. someone's going to have to pay the piper. Remains unknown. But some little gumshoes over at Wall Street on Parade. Mm-hmm. Great uh, sight. They uh, tracked down $364 million of liquid funding's commercial paper stuffed into U.S. money market funds. Two of J.P. Morgan's money market funds held a total of $100 million. Two Dreyfus money market firms, uh, money market funds, mm-hmm. held at least $139 million. And a Frank Russell money market fund held $125 million. So, some real questions here, um, you know, about the involvement of J.P. Morgan Chase where Bear Stearns is a 40% owner and Jeffrey Epstein is the chairman. And remember, Epstein has his own connections to CEO and chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon. Mm-hmm. Um, you Jamie mentioned, Dimond! You mentioned James Staley, mm-hmm. right? James Taylor. Now, he's the key execu- a key executive at J.P. Morgan Chase. He's also been, you know, thrown around as a key advisor uh-huh. to Jamie Dimon. He's quite high up. Uh, now, he, of course, and we've talked about this before, he visited Epstein when he was serving out his sentence for 13 months in Palm Beach, Florida. Now, that takes some gumption right there, is is going down to Palm Beach and actually visiting him in the jail. Well, it's not even the jail, remember? Because this is what's crazy. It was at his office that he had set up yes. that the guards were guarding, and that's how we know that Staley went and visited him. And this was so brazen. Mm-hmm. So you just, you're not doing this on the phone. You're literally visiting him. So there's a, there's a guest log. Yeah. So... 
he closes his company, mm-hmm. goes to jail. Yep. And J.P. Morgan, who ends up having to take over a majority share of Bear Stearns of well buys Bear Stearns yeah yeah but then has to take a majority share of Jeffrey Epstein's sham Paradise Papers company uh huh they're visiting him in his makeshift fake prison office <laughs> yes and doing what I'm sure that they were just discussing stocks etc. I mean, there's there's no question that Jeffrey Epstein was committing crimes with young girls while he was supposed to be under lock and key by the Palm Beach Police Department. Are you crazy? So J.P. Morgan's involvement is further interesting because, you know, the Fed, New York Fed provided $28.8 billion to take all those toxic assets off mm-hmm. of Bear Stearns Ledger. Uh, toxic asset lenity. Sorry. So My brain's trying to tell me to say that, but I shouldn't. <laughs> so as Bear Stearns collapsing, mm-hmm. they needed to find a buyer for Bear Stearns. Yeah. And so in order to sweeten the deal to J.P. Morgan, the New York Fed bought off all this to- toxic assets mm-hmm. so that J.P. Morgan wouldn't have, to, wouldn't have to take those liabilities on as they bought the bank. Yeah. Right? So um, basically... Bear Stearns ended up getting about $853 billion from the New York Fed in low-cost loans, right? And this is pretty – just so that everyone – and I'm going to get off my high horse because I know I'm going all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I just want this to make clear. Bear Stearns is an investment bank – was an investment bank – with no federally insured commercial bank in the United States. There is absolutely no reason that it should have been – it should have received basically what was an open spigot from the Fed. Yeah. But J.P. Morgan was set to buy all this off. That's fucking whack. So, you know. There's some, there's some, what you're saying here is there's some oddities. And not even oddities. Like, this is seems to be pretty business as usual with these fucking cretins. Yeah, I mean, it looks like basically, you know, Liquid Funding Limited, Epstein's uh, shell company basically it looks to be from my very cursory uh, looking into it mm-hmm. a window into what every other fucking fake ass insane shit company was doing in the lead up to the financial crisis. It 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 had about twenty billion in liabilities made up of commercial paper, investment contracts, medium term notes, and repo agreements. This is basically what everyone was all betting on and shuffling around that all collapsed in the financial crisis. Jesus Christ. And Epstein's right at the heart of it. Yeah. So, back to Jeffrey Epstein's bio. He says, he says referring to himself, Jeffrey utilized his mathematics expertise in becoming an adept options trader and came to know a number of successful investors. His success in the position is reflected in the fact that by 1980... He had become the youngest limited partner in the firm. Believing, however, that he could do better on his own on the outside, he decided to resign from Bear Stearns in 1981. (laughs) Okay. So that's not exactly what happened, right? I know there was some, he was going to be questioned by the SEC and he kind of bailed because of the Seagram's merger, which we'll probably talk about more in a Bronfman-centric episode. 
So it is actually said that Epstein was going to be a witness against two Bear Stearns executives around the time of his arrest. And a lot of people were like, oh, damn, did my man Zacosta, like, let him go free because of that? Like, was he doing some trading of, you know, was he snitching, essentially? Mm. Uh, however, there a Fox Business article. New, excuse me, a Fox Business article came out about that, uh, and that showed that mm, he actually did not provide any meaningful cooperation. To, and I quote: "To obtain his relatively light sentence in the hedge fund case or any likely case tied to the financial crisis, according to numerous people with direct knowledge of the matter." Although it seems a little maybe like everyone's saying that he didn't, maybe he did. Uh, in fact, Epstein's cooperation with prosecutors does not appear to extend beyond supplying state and federal investigation with information involving his own case. Uh, and here's a quote from the article. Bottom line, I have no knowledge of Epstein cooperating in any way in the Bear Stearns case, the former prosecutor said in the interview, speaking under the condition of an- anonymity. There was no reason to use him. Um, so, yeah. And it also says Epstein's name was never mentioned during the trial. So, again, his time with Bear Stearns will just stay with him to the rest of his life. And it's possible, have you considered this, Liz? It's Mm. possible that there's a lot more Wall Street stuff that really hasn't been discussed. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Um, And I think we're going to be discussing this, like I said, on an upcoming episode. Mm -hmm. But it's worth mentioning. Yes. For the little conspiracy heads out there. Uh Uh-huh. Which I include myself. I, I would not even say little. <laughs> little big, of waste, big brain. but big of brain. <laughs> oh, Bryce, that's so nice. Yes, I meant waste as in you're uh, awful. Okay. Awful. Um, that, you know, there's been a string of mysterious... Financial suicides. Yes. Yes, there ha- If you work for Deutsche Bank, watch out, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you might get... Uh-huh. And and you were saying to me earlier, you were like, but not just Deutsche, also at J.P. Morgan. Mm, well, interesting. When, when a bunch of cocaine goes missing, a lot of people sometimes get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so you were saying that this might, we might be looking at the Epstein thing wrong. Everyone might be looking at it wrong. This might be a financial killing. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting to consider. Yeah, that like to to put Epstein's death in the light of these other sort of banker suicides. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing more work on that because I do think it's important to think about. Um, you know, when we talk about that this is, you know, this is a lens through which to understand how power operates, mm-hmm. right, in the world, that, you know, it's important to understand, too, that the lines between these financial institutions, both American and globally, and intelligence services. Uh-huh. And as we've already outlined in previous episodes, uh, Pentagon, DOD, uh, academia, and uh, technology, mm-hmm. that these lines are very blurry. And you were actually saying earlier that there is direct intelligence ties to J.P. Morgan. Oh, like yeah. There's CIA like a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's positions. a very long history um, of... Uh, we could just say CIA uh, activity. Not even Presence. just activity. I mean, like actual officers working well, high up at J.P. Morgan. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is the main cadre that the CIA drew from for the first about forty years of their existence, and especially like the literal beginnings. Those guys were all Wall Street lawyers. Like every one of them, literally offices on Wall Street. Yes, and like that is that is that stayed with them, and it still is. 
to some extent, the sort of old boys club. I mean, uh, with, it includes some women now uh, in the CIA that comes from that realm. Yeah. Thomas Higgins, the former senior officer and station chief in the CIA's National Clandestine Service, which, by the way, can you believe it's named that, mm-hmm. was previously the global head of operational control for J.P. Morgan. Bud Cato. Uh-huh. A regional security manager for J.P. Morgan Chase had worked for the CIA from 1982 to 1995, and in Middle East operations from 2001 to 2011. That was just two two Middle examples. Middle East operations. Yeah, funny enough. So I think you know it's important to maybe take a step back. We haven't really done too much work looking into the financial aspect. This was a little taste, but we're gonna do more because. With the string of mysterious deaths, the everyone knows how powerful these institutions are. Yeah. There was a great, I think it was the LA Times, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, even though I'm recording this. That um, when Madoff mm-hmm. was arrested, there was like a headline yeah. and or a question that was posed that was, uh, basically, is Madoff under J.P. Morgan or is... J.P. Morgan under Madoff, basically. Ooh, who, which, who's, who's, who's walking who? Exactly. That's what I would say. So there's a real question here about. I have questions about J.P. Morgan's relationship with Epstein, and yeah. I will say that there was maybe one or two articles in the lamestream media, mm-hmm. but for the most part, not enough. No. Well, I mean, where do you think the New York Times offices are? Probably near Wall Street. <laughs> They're not, but. Okay. Well, relative closer than we are. Yes, that's very true. We are Grace. very far from that's New York very City. That's true. Uh, so skipping ahead, so this next part is basically about his business here, and you don't need to. I mean, it's he goes on and on and on. We know about it. You don't necessarily need to read his take on it because it's very vague. Uh, but in essence, Jeffrey offers new potential clients the scenario of quote no longer having to worry about their money. Jeffrey continues in this unique niche business to this day. It's based in the Virgin Islands, blah, blah, blah. He says he employs approximately 160 people, which we know is a resounding lie. There's basically <laughs> no employees to this business. Uh, He's literally just, that's him admitting to uh, all the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did employ 160 people in various capacities, but yes. many of them were... Uh, 160 masseuses. Uh, how do the British call it? Zero-hour contracts. Oh. Uh, so here's a, here's, a, here's a good footnote, though. Jeffrey offers the following example. The daughter of a client becomes engaged. Because of the difficulty of knowing whether her suitor is motivated by love or by money... Who is that difficult? Whatever. A, prenup is, a prenuptial agreement is called for. Were the client to insist on this with his daughter, he might well incur her wrath because her the implicit wrath. I hate incurring my daughter's wrath. <laughs> because the implicit questioning of the motivation of her betrothed. With Jeffrey as the family advisor to the client, however, it would be he who would deliver the news to the daughter, and it would be he who would incur and absorb her wrath, thus initiating the client insulating the client from these unpleasantries. So let us, in fact, this is a good lead into his next paragraph that's on here, because remember that daughter thing. Mm. So, Jeffrey is single, having never married or fathered any children. Although, of course, he did try, if we can remember, he did, he and Ghislaine tried to get uh, Virginia Jeffrey to have Jeffrey's baby, which Mm. would then be given, excuse me, let me be precise, sold to Jeffrey and Ghislaine uh, uh, by, by Virginia. She would be put out of the picture, and they would raise it as if it were it was their child. 
Yeah, so he writes, or, you know, his people write, he has shied away from becoming a parent because the demands of his business would not allow him the kind of time and presence needed to be a good parent. Well, that's so thoughtful, Jeffrey. It's weird because he did spend a lot of time around children, but... (laughs) During his adulthood, Jeffrey had two long-term relationships. Now, we already know about the one with Ghislaine. Yeah. But this one is a bit interesting. The first, they write, with Eva Anderson from 1981 to 1990. So, wait. Eva Anderson. That would be Eva Anderson Dubin. Yes. Eva Anderson Dubin, also known as Eva Dubin, also known as wife to Glenn Dubin. Uh Uh-huh. Glenn Dubin, who is in the world that we were just talking about, who we mentioned, or he was actually, was very connected to Barclays and J.P. Morgan. Yes. Uh, So his, there's a weird tie. So we'll get more on actually Eva later, but. To her husband, there is kind of a weird tie. So Jess Staley, who was a CEO bar- at Barclays, uh, you know, when you're saying mm-hmm. advisor to Jamie Dimon, uh, he was good friends with um, Jeffrey Epstein, as we know. And the Times article, this is this is this. Excuse me, this is uh, from Bloomberg. The Times article also reveals that Epstein was involved with Staley in brokering a deal where J.P. Morgan purchased a majority stake in the hedge fund Hybrid Capital Management, which was co-founded. By Glenn Dubin. The Wall Street Journal reported that Epstein was paid $15 million for brokering the deal. Now, just a little fun little note about Highbridge mm-hmm. Capital Management, because I was looking into them. They were just in the news because there's, um, and I don't think that Dubin, I don't know if he's still like a managing partner there. It's a little unclear. But um, they were just in the news because I don't know if you know about this, but there's been a ton of. Uh, like biopharma bankruptcies over the past year. Not surprised. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And one of those companies was basically their bankruptcy settlement was getting, was being restructured by Highbridge Capital. Yeah. Now the company in question, which I cannot, I don't have in front of me and I can't remember the name, but it's one of those pharmaceutical, I mean, one of those crazy pharmaceutical names like Pandra or something. You know what I mean? They are, I don't know, they're the manufacturer, of course, of a highly, uh, let's say, questionable uh, commercial opioid. Really? Mm. Do they do samples? No. If we do like an ad for them? No, but it should become as no surprise that, you know, the bottoming out of a lot of the biopharma companies are, you know, is coming from them pushing a bunch of fucking fucked up opioids and yeah. all of those companies getting bailed out by and restructured by private equity. There's something else about Glenn Dubin that I think people should know. Mm. He was the first powerful man that Virginia Jeffrey was forced to have sex with when she was uh, a sex slave of Jeffrey Epstein's. Well, that's a weird coincidence. Yeah, totally crazy. So that's now just circle back. Yeah. That Glenn Dubin is the husband of Jeffrey Epstein's first girlfriend. Yes. His first major is for besides is besides for uh Ghislaine. Ghislaine who was also own, involved. Yes. <laughs> Who's probably literally also having sex with them. They've all had sex. Every single ex-girlfriend of Jeffrey Epstein's has had sex with the same sex slave. That is fucking insane. And the husband. And the husband. In fact, 
Mr. Rizzo, the houseman for the Dubins, in his testimony during the, uh, excuse me, the Virginia Jeffrey case, was said that there was a girl, a 15-year-old girl, who he found sitting almost catatonic in the kitchen. He asked her what was wrong. She said, she said that she had been drugged, taken on a plane to Jeffrey Epstein's island, forced to have sex, and then she doesn't know how she got back. She doesn't know where her passport was. That girl must have, and I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if we can actually even say this on a podcast. Pretty sure that growing young girl was forced to have sex with the Dubins. Mm. Because they are all over this shit. And of course, they have not been seen much, except for getting a, a staircase named after them at the MoMA, since the scandal broke. So, there's another disgusting thing that I need to mention about the Dubins, mm-hmm. first. And this just broke, uh, maybe yesterday, a day ago? Yes. <sighs> The convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein told associates that he considered marrying Selena Dubin, the 24-year-old daughter of his ex-girlfriend Eva Anderson Dubin and the hedge fund billionaire Glenn Dubin. Epstein named Selena Dubin as a beneficiary of a trust that he also used to pay lawyers, models, and other associates in his orbit. It's unclear how much money was in the trust while Selena was a beneficiary, but it totaled about $50 million in 2019. Now, what's crazy? What's crazy, Liz? About this story. Uh huh. Is that we had a little while ago, we received an anonymous tip. We love those, by the way. Send us them. Liz loves her anonymous tips or her sauces, as she calls them. Yes. Now, this was sent to us. Uh, a while ago and you know a lot of these we don't have a way of verifying corroborating yeah. corroborating but that doesn't stop us from telling you all about them we're just saying they're alleged rumors that we've heard um so this is an alleged rumor from an alleged person who has let's say some close personal contact with relatives of the Dubin family uh-huh uh, that not only, I'm going to quote a little bit from this, not only was Glenn Dubin a sex fiend, that their words, yep. he slept with a gym teacher who was also a failed actor. Mm-hmm. Who, whomst among us? Oh, my man's got some bi-representation. <laughs> but they let their eldest daughter, Selena, date Jeff. Huh. And we heard this long before this story broke, mm. the, the story that broke yesterday. We've had this, we've had, we've been sitting on this one for a little while. Yes. Now, um, you know, if it's, you look at a picture of Selena Dubin, by the way, if you know Jeff's type, you're looking oof. at it. Yeah. And it does really make you um, question at what point they let her date him. Also, well. that is. Your daughter dating your mom's ex-boyfriend who you've had group sex with, with your father. Yes. Hold on. Uh, I think actually Jeffrey's own biography might offer us a clue. So actually, skipping ahead a little bit of his biography, this is about their relationship. When it became clear, however, that the demands of Jeffrey's life could not include staying in one place and having a family, Eva and he realized that they had no future as a family unit. They partied amicably, I'll say. Eva eventually married and has had three children. This notwithstanding, they have continued to speak with each other nearly every day. And, by the way, as was much reported, including after his arrest and release, 
as does her oldest daughter, Selena. Her oldest daughter speaks to Jeffrey nearly every day, having missed only a dozen or so in the 26 years that they have known each other. So they speak literally every day. Okay, Bryce, it gets even weirder. This is from them. This is, again, an excerpt from his own biography. Jeffrey has enjoyed an especially close relationship with Selena, comma, 12. She's not 12 anymore, by the way. No. So, mm. Selena wrote glowingly of their weekly science lesson. Ooh, I don't like that. When, quote, Uncle Jeff, as she calls him. Really don't like that. Takes time from his personal and business schedule to go over to her apartment and discuss science and mathematics lessons she is learning at school. Is 12-year-old has an apartment? I think they mean the family apartment. Yeah. They might talk about such things, for example, as why the sky is blue or how fast light travels. After their lesson is over, they then spend some time at the piano where Uncle Jeff helps her work on her singing voice, even though, as she knows, Uncle Jeff does not have any real expertise in this area. Mm -hmm. The closeness of their relationship is perhaps best suggested, however, by an incident Selena related in her letter. One of the nicest things anyone has ever done for me happened about two years ago when I was at a ballroom dancing class. It was father-daughter dance. It was father-daughter dance day, and unfortunately, my father was stuck at a business meeting. I didn't know what I would do because he had to bring your father to the dance class. I got to the class alone, but then soon enough, a quick phone call to Uncle Jeff didn't leave me standing there alone for more than ten minutes. Uncle Jeff substituted for my father that night, and the way he rushed to the class felt exactly like having my father there. This is so fucking sick. Well, one thinks, I mean, the way that she says having exactly like having my father there, one wonders about Glenn Dubin's uh, some sort of darker parts of Glenn Ugh. beyond having sex with other. Yeah, I think Uncle Jeff substituted for her father for not for more than that night. Yeah. So, so I just want to, like, uh, reiterate here, because this is really sick. Yeah. Jeff has known this girl... Since she was... Since before she was 12. Probably before the day she was born. She's, he's spoken yeah. to, to her mother literally every day except for 26 days. Yeah. In uh, years. Year, so, years. they were in... Then, their parents allowed this man, who they knew was a convicted sex offender... Yep. Who they have been involved in group sex with, with underage girls, mm-hmm. and God knows what else. Yep. To date their daughter, who he has known since she was born. Mm-hmm. Who had a very, in his own words, close relationship with since she was pubescent. Allegedly. Alleged by Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> So just to put a little fine point on this, here's something from their spokespeople. Mm-hmm. Spokeswoman, actually. The Dubins are horrified by the new allegations against Jeffrey Epstein. Had they been aware of the vile and unspeakable conduct described in these new allegations, they would have cut off all ties and certainly never have allowed their children to be in his presence. Well, that's just a fucking lie. Yep, clearly just lying. This is that's, All these people are lying to you. I can't believe that this is, it took people that, yeah. I mean, this, the, the Dubin should be hammered by this. They won't be. 
No, and they're they also, be. by the way, protected because they're in the world of high finance. Mm-hmm. Where every one of those motherfuckers is a sicko like this. Ugh, this is so fucking disgusting. Yeah. Let's power on. Let's power on, baby. So this thing goes on, and again, it's a very long biography, and we will we will post it below, and you can read all of it. So we're going to skip over most of the rest of it, because it's about what you'd expect from a guy sort of writing his own uh, hagiographic uh, biography. This is something I found interesting, though. Yet another example of Jeffrey's generosity in the educational arena arose during his trip through Africa with former President Clinton. Jeffrey approached the president of Rwanda and offered to pay the room, board, and tuition for two worthy Rwandan students to earn an undergraduate degree in the United States. Jeffrey has made good on this promise through the Clinton Foundation, and the two students are currently enrolled at the City University of New York, where they are expected to graduate in 2008. I would very much like to uh, know the gender of those two worthy students, because mm. it seems a little vague on that, on that subject. Ugh. Um, but yeah, I hadn't known that before this and it's, uh, there's so much stuff in here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's extensive. <laughs> also because you know the way that he's like brushing it, like, you know, there's shady shit behind all of it. And Absolutely. so there's so much stuff to look up. He's like bringing it up. So you're like, look, I'm showing you what happened. You don't even have to look into this. It's the other stuff you got to look into. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot of names in here too. Some of which I've been looking, th- looking through some of which are actually also pedophiles like Leslie <laughs> Groth, allegedly. Uh, excuse me, let me rephrase that. No, I do not, I'm not saying that she's a pedophile. I am alleging that others have said that. Mm, yes. Um, but I will say that it does end on, uh, a lively note. Mm-hmm. The bottom line. <laughs> yeah. I love to start paragraphs that way. The bottom line. I'm always start. Well, it is literally the bot one of the bottom lines. <laughs> Thank you, Bryce. Yeah. The bottom line for Jeffrey Epstein is that while he has become an improbably successful businessman, mm-hmm. he has also been an unusually understanding and generous human being. I will say his he is unusual. <laughs> Ugh, God. Ugh, I still feel sick about this Dubin stuff. Yeah. His generosity has taken many forms. Yeah, I'll say. And has benefited many people, uh, footnote please, mm-hmm. but has been primarily directed to employees and others he comes in contact with. Wow, that's, that's rather vague on phrase. that part, but like, yeah, 300 bucks at a time. <laughs> Educational institutions, quote, bleeding edge scientific researchers. Yeah, we all know about you freaky trans- <laughs> transhumanists. Yeah. Wellness organizations and civic groups. That's that means the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> His aim has been to improve the lives of individuals by helping them address life problems and reach their potential. To enable educational, wellness, and civic organizations to better achieve their respective purposes. 
and to foster the kind of scientific research which might potentially benefit all of mankind. Well, he was going to repopulate the Earth with his 20, uh, 20 sex slave pregnancies a day, right? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that uh, freezing your dick would benefit... Well, no, it wouldn't, actually. I, I will say that if I could freeze the warts off my dick, <laughs> I would in a heartbeat. Just Ugh. kidding. I do not have those. Yeah, that's... Oof. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one guy that... I'm patient zero for HPV. <laughs> Finally, in his generosity, Jeffrey has sought nothing for himself. Hmm. To the extent it is possible, his giving has always been anonymous. That's literally not true. He had four websites that he set up to talk about it. <laughs> when this has not been possible, which was always, it is clear that he does not seek the spotlight for these acts. I will say he doesn't seek the spotlight, but he is, uh, he seeks something. Yeah, well, you know what? Spotlight should have gone after Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, uh, what spotlight? The journalism team that uncovered the the Catholic sex abuses. Oh, for yeah. God's sakes. Well, I'm sorry. At Why the Boston gonna... Globe. The Boston Globe? They're anti-Catholic? All right, yeah, this sounds like a fictional movie to me. I was trying to make a little joke, a little funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, whoops. Um, yeah, so this, uh, I love this biography. Mm-hmm. I, it's very near and dear to my heart. I probably will literally get it printed and bound like I have for much of these documents. I think that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, nice little Christmas gift for the I'll family. Bootleg. It's a good zine. Yeah. We're gonna have this a like, we're uh, gonna have a zine meetup workshop. Jeffrey Epstein is the twenty first century Aaron Comet bus. <laughs> but it does I do like how it definitely reads as some like poor pay uh, like underpaid probably in this case sex slave, uh like typing away Absolutely. intern. Yeah, yeah. Poor yeah, thing. Yeah. Just there's tar- a like, lot of uh like kind of cliched writing in it. Uh yeah, to say the least. That'd be cool if he didn't like a beat style. He's like, hey, what's the sun? We should redo this as, um, like, spoken word. Okay. The like, bottom line, 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 <laughs> line for Jeffrey. Epstein is that while he has been an improbably, improbably, successfully, businessly man, man, man. He has also been an unusually understanding and generous human being. You like that? That was really nice. Yeah, do, I could do that. That's what I, I do this. I, I got the spirit of the 60s in me. Uh, um, and to all you fucking rich people out, li- out there listening, I got the spirit of the fucking people that kidnapped Patty Hearst in me. <laughs> that's the 60s. I got. I was actually the 70s, I think. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, actually, you know, I have a Symbionese Liberation Army tattoo. Really? Yeah. Well, I got uh, right here. It says, death to the fascist insect. Oh. I got it when I was like, oh, no, I got it like six or five years ago. But uh, that was, they used to sign that. I I was going to say, yeah, it was less, less long ago than I thought. Um, But uh, they used to sign their letters, death to the fascist insect Mm -hmm. who preys upon the blood of the people. It's very poetic. Yeah. And so tonight I say, death to the fascist insect who preys upon the blood of the people. Now, I don't have any tattoos because I'm, you know, a perfect angel. I thought you had that thing that means peace in, like, some Asian cultures. <laughs> it's also used in Native American. That's my back piece. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. though. And then you have that Charlie Chaplin one right under it. What's he doing? He's got the little mustache. And it's, oh, yeah. It's from the, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and then you got those lightning bolts on your neck, uh, and then that's like a cool. What do you call that? You call that the black sun tattooed on both your hands, and then you have my honor is my loyalty on your forehead, which I found a little shocking. But I guess it's kind of like a little beep thing. I have bangs though, so it covers it up. Yes, she has bangs, but the rest of her head is shaved. It's called the Chelsea haircut. <laughs> I find it a little jarring when I first start hanging out with Liz, but I'm kind of getting used to it. Now. All right. None of that's I true. I love an inked maiden. <laughs> Any girls out there, you listening, you guys inked? If you're an inked maiden. We have gone so long. Yeah. Oh, I w- yeah. I just couldn't stop talking about the banks. Listen, you get this bitch talking about banks. She will never stop. Fellas out there, DM Liz and ask her what her favorite money uh, place is. <laughs> she will She will respond. What's a money place? Oh, bank? Bank, yeah. A place where the money is. I hate them all. Yeah, but you know about all of them. Yeah, I literally only know about Wells Fargo. Well, just so y'all know, it's a fucking cartel. And that's how you should talk about them. Yeah. It's a cartel. Yeah. Yeah, they're a freaking cartel. They are. We gotta end the Fed. No. <laughs> all right, should we do a goodbye? Yeah, yeah. So, happy holidays. So, all right. Merry Christmas. I'm a war on Christmas truther. I am, I'm fighting on the other side. Hanukkah must finally take its place. We need a Jewish president. Our second, well, Trump actually is the first Jewish president. He really is. Yeah. What? <laughs> that mean he is in his humor yeah he's you he's uh german or something aren't you german no what are you polish same thing oh for god's sakes you know what poles are just a mix of germans and russians (sighs) i should probably shouldn't say that that's not true yeah uh thank you so much for joining us for the subscriber only episode thank god it's subscriber only yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> i say yeah all the time when you do it man because i thought i was like in radio in radio land you're supposed to like not you're supposed to have like a back and forth kind of well no because so you're like one person's supposed to be like uh-huh a lot of people don't know this but brace went to improv school for about 20 years i did yeah in fact i actually kind of got me too'd out of that what's that place what's uh, the place where all the me too's happen ucb i went to uc berkeley no <laughs> <laughs> Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, I got Me Too'd out of there. Yeah. But they were like... After got, 20 years. Yeah, platonic really... Me Too, though. <laughs> I shook a guy's hand too moistly. Ugh. Mo- I'm moistly. <laughs> moistly Roberts. Uh, yeah, we got to end it. I did not go to improv school, ever. <laughs> yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, That's where did. I met you. <laughs> oh, you like, wish. That, we can't get out of that. <laughs> That's where I was an undercover police officer there, and I arrested Liz for covering up all the UCB Me Too's. I went to improv school. Of course you did. You went to improv school? Dude, do not admit to being Me Too'd on this podcast. He got me threed? Jesus That's Christ. what they call the Dubin special. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. All right. We got to sign out. We've, I feel we've, crazy. There's been a lot of fucked up revelations in the past uh, 15 seconds. It's, <laughs> it's been a day. You know what I'm going to go do? You know what I'm excited about? What? I'm having a holiday party this weekend. You are. Let's invite our fans. Liz lives <laughs> at 178 Robertson. 
that is in Diamond Heights in San Francisco. You can meet her there pretty much any hour of the day. No roommates. <laughs> so uh, feel free to just give it a knock. No answer. She's probably in the shower. Just head on in. <laughs> uh, Heads up. I don't live there. Yeah. Don't knock on a stranger's. Knock on that door. No. no, Liz also, I put dummy bullets in her gun that I gave her to make her feel safer. So <laughs> if she points that thing at you, do a just, laugh. It's just like one of the little flags comes yeah. out. Yeah. Like, sorry, Liz, I was just fucking with like, you. Wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Joker's, that's the Joker's trick. trick. That would actually be, fu- that'd be a really fucked, that'd be a twisted ass thing to do. That's give a someone fucked a, up Joker's trick. Uh, to give someone a gun to make them feel safer. Do you and think there's any good Joker's trick? Well, he's the, by definition, he's the Joker and it's a trick. It would be the Joker's treat <laughs> if it was a good one. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing: is we're not giving. I, I, I hate now to, I'm not. Now we're not going to stop. I hate to bust. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, guys. Hate to bust this one on you, but I'm busting it right now. We're gonna keep going. No other episodes this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's why we're going long. So because it's the holidays. Yeah, Liz is going to visit the mole people. Her. What the fuck, dude? I'm sorry, she's going to Poland. That's. I wasn't actually. Are you actually visiting your parents? Don't call Polish people mole people. I call them pole people, dude. I can't wait. I'm going to like... Mole people? (laughs) Oh my God. You know I'm half Polish. Are you? Yeah, I'm Polish-Ukrainian. Ugh. Same thing. (laughs) Like that? I'm about to never get back into Ukraine. I'm never going to Ukraine again. Actually, Ukraine rocked. I'll go there again. Uh, Yeah, so you are visiting... All right, we're all going to be out of town? Well, I know Mr. Hanukkah over here, I ain't. Where um, are you going? I'm going, uh, I'm not telling people where I'm going, but I'll be out of town. <laughs> yeah, well, don't tell people where I'm going. Uh, Liz is going to 1738 <laughs> Market. It is a hotel she rented. Oh, she wanted a few days by herself. It is at the Four Seasons in San Francisco, room 407. Again, knock, no answer, shower, just go head on in. <laughs> Tell her how much you like the podcast. Tell her what kind of episodes we should do. <laughs> if you got any jokes, tell her if there's an article that is like was on the front page of the New York Times that you think we haven't seen, please send it along. <laughs> Here's the thing, fellas. If she doesn't answer the DMs, she's probably just looking you up and being like, oh my God, look how cool this guy is. I love his LinkedIn. Uh, so just do that. Um, uh, yeah. So no one's talking anymore. <laughs> I I'm think. speechless. I am speechless. I am without speech. Wow, Christmas came early. Uh, Brace. For you, you don't have to talk to me anymore. Oh. Every woman's I dream. I would know. That is not my dream. That's my nightmare. Speaking of nightmares, I need to pee. <laughs> so we got to end this motherfucker. All right, guys. Happy holidays. Check this Joker one out. Crappy holidays. No, don't say that. Happy holidays. Also... Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Let's not get in an argument about whether or not it's the start of a decade. No. But I'll say Happy New Year. We happy holidays. We love you guys so much. Hold on. What do you guys want? For Christmas? Or Hanukkah. What is your dream gift, Liz? Oh, um, I don't know. Really? I don't know. World peace. Okay. For me, it would be a Bushmaster AR. <laughs> Uh, Goth GF. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, if there are any Goths out there with a Bushmaster AR, please shoot Liz. 
Liz. Hey. Uh, what the fuck, Shoot dude? Liz a DM and ask her her address, <laughs> which is, uh, she actually gets her packages sent to 381 York Street in San Francisco. It is a two-story house. She lives on the top floor. Uh, actually, no bathroom in it, so she will be home. And if she doesn't answer the door, again, she is asleep. Go wake her up. She sleeps too much. So, yeah, give her a little shock. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, like I said, happy holidays, happy new year. We're going to see you all on the flip side mm-hmm. with way more Epstein madness to come. Locked and loaded, baby. Young Chomsky, can you put in a sound there? Yeah. Or can you just make my sound more real? Yeah. Shotguns really do be sound like that. Brace, will you do a sign off for us? This has been Brace Belden. Liz. And Young Jomsky. On mic. We're going to see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.